Hey, you're listening to Guat.Rocks, God, the World, and Other Things. I'm Kenny Price, your host. Our mission, Advancing Equilibrium in the Midst of an Agitated World. This is Season 13, Episode 287. Title, Double Down. Subtitle, More Thoughts on Keeping the Heart. My life has been impacted in a great way by the book, Treatise on Keeping the Heart by Puritan author John Flavel, written in the mid to late 1600s. These conversations on the heart are adapted from this book with a considerable amount of additional personal information as God speaks to my own heart about these critical matters. I pray that these talks will have a great impact on your life as well. The slang term double down first appeared on the scene in 1949 in reference to a card gambling event. My friend, I don't gamble, I never have, I never will. In today's podcast, I don't use the term in the context of that meaning, number one. It has now morphed into a second slang term that, according to the online platform for asking questions and providing answers called Quora, is another way of saying that you can redouble your efforts, commit all of your reserves, decide to hold nothing back, launch an all-out attack, leap headlong into the fray. Don't you like that? Don't you just want to leap headlong into the fray? I like that. Double down is a phrase that has gusto. If you haven't heard my podcast on gusto, you need to listen to that podcast as well. But now more than ever is a time for us to double down on matters of the heart. Proverbs 4.23 says it this way, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. The heart of man is his worst part before it's regenerated, and the best afterward. It is the seat of principles and the fountain of actions. The eye of God is, and the eye of the Christian ought to be, principally fixed upon it. The greatest difficulty in conversion is to win the heart to God, and the greatest difficulty after conversion is to keep the heart with God. As I've said in past podcasts, we're not talking about the Christian losing their salvation. I'm talking about living a life of defeat and heartache as the result of an unkept heart. Here lies the very force and stress of religion. Here is that which makes the way to life a narrow way, and the gate of heaven a straight gate. In this proverb, we are given the exhortation to keep your heart with all diligence and the motivation to do it, for out of it are the issues of life. By heart, in a metaphor, the scripture sometimes represents some particular gallant faculty of the soul. But here in the Proverbs text, we are to take it more generally, for the whole soul or inner man. What the heart is to the body, the soul is to the man. And what health is to the heart, holiness is to the soul. The state of the whole body depends on the soundness and vigor of the heart and the everlasting state of the whole man upon the good or ill condition of the soul. In order to keep our hearts, we must come to a full understanding and infusion of the diligence and constant attention that is required to this most important spiritual task, which extends to all the states and conditions of a Christian's life and makes it always binding. If the heart must be kept because out of it are the issues of life, then as long as these issues of life do flow out of it, we are obliged to keep it. On the surface, it seems like a basic, simple equation. Yet under close examination of the vast majority of Christians, we see our religious church culture wrought with the same sins and spiritual maladies as a secular person who lives without God in their lives. Based on the cultural track record of the church since 9-11, It's clear that most people who profess to be Christians are not diligent to use all Holy Spirit-empowered means 
to preserve their souls from sin, which would foster their soul's sweet and free communion with God. Picture in your mind your heart is like a fortress under siege by enemy soldiers outside the walls and in danger of being betrayed by treacherous citizens within, in which danger the soldiers of the fortress under the threat of death are commanded to watch. Though the expression, keep your heart, seems to put it upon us as our work, yet it does not imply a sufficiency in us to do it. We aren't able to stop the sun in its course or to make the rivers run backward, and we are powerless by our own skill and ability to rule and order our hearts. We may as well be our own saviors as our own keepers. And yet Solomon speaks correctly when he says, keep your heart, because the duty is ours, though the power is of God. What power we have depends on the energizing, empowering, and assisting strength of Christ. Grace within us is bound to grace without us. Jesus makes it clear in John 15:5 that without me, you can do nothing. We must take the responsibility seriously to keep our heart, to guard our heart with all diligence. The idea here in the Proverbs is very emphatic, equating to establishing a double guard on our hearts. The double guard and redundancies that must be in place are works of the Holy Spirit of God as we pay attention to the Bible and His illumination as to how it applies to our hearts. This intensity of expression with which the duty is urged plainly implies how difficult it is to keep our hearts and how dangerous it is to neglect them. The motive to this duty is very forceful and weighty. It says, for out of the heart are the issues of life. That is, the heart is the source of all vital operations. Think about it, my friend. Our hearts are the source of all of our vital operations. It is the spring and originator of both good and evil, as the spring in a watch that sets all the wheels of the timepiece in motion. The heart is the warehouse out of which the hand and tongue stock their shells of life's business. What is in these comes from that. The hand and tongue always begin where the heart ends. Let me say that again. This needs to be etched into our brains. The hand and tongue always begin where the heart ends. That is why our outer life, though guarded as we may seek to be, will in time reflect our inner life. It's impossible to hide the truth. But in time, as the Bible says in Numbers 32 verse 23, your sin will find you out. The heart contrives and the members execute. Matthew 12:35 says, A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth that which is good, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth that which is evil. For of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks. So then if the heart blunders in its work, the hands and the tongue must go wrong in theirs. For heart errors are like the errors of the first mix, which cannot be rectified afterwards, or like a corrupted data file, which when accessed causes so many errors in a report. What more important thing is there in our Christian lives to do but to fight with all our might against internal soul conflictions and external pressures of the world, to keep and rightly manage our hearts in every condition? A good conservative Christian may come back with the response that the Great Commission of Christ is the most important thing in the Christian life. But my friend, if the heart of the Christian is under assault from within and without, then it is highly unlikely that any evangelism is being carried out on a regular basis. It is not the cleaning of the hands that makes the Christian clean. For many a hypocrite can go through the same external religious actions, but the purifying, watching, and right ordering of the heart this is the thing that comes at a worthy cost of many deep groanings and tears. 
We read of Hezekiah, who after all the good he had done for the nation of Israel during his 29-year reign, as Got Question shares, he made a serious mistake. The Babylonians sent a gift to Hezekiah, for they had heard Hezekiah had been sick. In foolish pride, Hezekiah showed the Babylonians all of his treasures, all the silver and gold, and everything in his arsenal. There was nothing Hezekiah did not parade in front of them. Isaiah rebuked Hezekiah for this act and prophesied that all the king had shown the Babylonians would one day be taken to Babylon, along with Hezekiah's own descendants. Friend, it was the pride of Hezekiah's heart that made him lie in the dust, mourning before the Lord. It was the fear of hypocrisies invading the heart that made David cry, Let my heart be sound in your statutes, that I may not be ashamed. It was the sad experience he had of the divisions and distractions of his own heart in the service of God that made him pour out the prayer in Psalm 86.11 that says, Unite my heart to fear your name. To keep the heart necessarily assumes a previous work of regeneration, of rebirth, which has set the heart right by giving it a new spiritual inclination. Because as long as the heart is not set right by grace in its core form, no means can keep it right with God. Here is a profound thought. Self is the equilibrium of the unrenewed heart. Self is the equilibrium of the unrenewed heart which biases and moves it in all its designs and actions. And as long as it is so, it is impossible that any external means can keep it with God. The full implication of this is that all the religions of the world seek to regenerate humans from the outside in. Only Christianity starts regeneration from the inside out. The first human Adam originally was of one constant uniform frame of spirit, held one straight and even course. Not one thought or endowment was disordered. His mind had a perfect knowledge of the requirements of God. His will a perfect compliance within. All his appetites and powers stood in a most obedient subordination. But we, by the apostasy, that falling away of Adam, had become the most disordered and rebellious creatures opposing our Maker. Opposing our Maker as the first cause, creating the world out of nothing. We oppose him by our self-dependence. We oppose him as the chief good by our self-love. We oppose our maker as the highest Lord by self-will. And we oppose our maker as the last end by self-seeking. My friend, as a result, we have become quite disordered and all our actions are irregular and out of shape. But by regeneration, the disordered soul is set right. This great change being, as the scripture expresses it, the renovation of the soul after the image of God, in which self-dependence is removed by faith. Self-love is removed by the love of God. Self-will by subjection and obedience to the will of God. And self-seeking by self-denial. The darkened understanding is illuminated. The stubborn will is sweetly subjected. And the rebellious appetite is gradually conquered. Faith, the love of God, obedience to the will of God, self-denial, illuminated, subjected, and conquered. These are all the attributes and benefits of a heart that is kept for God. To God be the glory because living with a kept heart is an eternal gift we receive when we are adopted into Christ's kingdom. And with that, my friend, I bid you peace.